Hey, coming up on Unpolished MBA. At the beginning of 2021, I had this mantra. I still have it because it's still 2021, but it was show up, pay attention, tell the truth, don't get attached to the results, and enjoy who you're becoming. Wow, that's powerful. This show is sponsored by TPM Focus, the strategy and execution consulting firm focused on generating revenue and finding product market fit for new innovations. Head over to tpmfocus.com to learn more. So the first question I usually ask is, are you an entrepreneur or a corporate employee? I am, I wouldn't say I'm a corporate employee. I'm a corporate employee. I'm not an entrepreneur, but I have been in SaaS sales for the last seven years. So definitely employee. Okay. MBA or no MBA? No MBA. Lots of reasons for that. Can you tell us the first one? I I love this question. (laughs) Sure. So do I. So I grew up, I went to an all girls high school, which is fantastic. Loved it, but very much so kind of for sure a degree was always on our minds, but even that next step of getting an MBA was as well. And so my degree is actually in health administration and public policy, but yeah. So, yep. So uh, long story from that for another day, for sure. But I got into sales and just after graduating, I just didn't really have an interest of um, doing a lot in healthcare. So I knew why I had started, but it really wasn't the reason that I like wanted to like what I wanted to do with my life or career. So I did work in the healthcare field for a little while mm-hmm. and then got introduced to sales. And I was like, this is exactly where I need to you be. You were a hook, right? Yeah. I it's was like, addicting. Yeah. yeah, it's particularly SaaS sales because you're solving a problem. Yeah. Like you're solving a problem. You're actually making a business better. And so for me, that was really the hook line sinker for me is when I figured out we're actually making things better, that's when I was sold. I was sold to sell. So here's the thing. I'm in the tech startup world mm-hmm. and I know that it's it's pretty difficult for health tech companies, startup companies to really get their foot in, in the door. A lot of them depend upon those who have done like pharmaceutical sales and different other types of sales doorways into these organizations. They really need someone like you. How do you feel about helping out those kind of orgs? What's interesting is I have only spent time with one type of healthcare organization. Well, SaaS product, I guess you could say, uh, at Mm -hmm. Pathfinder Health Innovations. It was an autism and behavioral health clinical product as well as insurance billing. But I'm more so focused about what am I solving the problems of? Like, What market do I need to know about? And what are their problems that they have today? so that I can deliver value with the product that I'm selling. So I actually haven't really been in the healthcare market in a really long time. And yeah, I'm totally fine with that. Um, Because I sometimes I think it's a little bit more fun kind of outside of kind of where you were trained in. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. then like you're just learning a whole lot of stuff from a whole lot of people and a whole Mm -hmm. lot of spaces. So yeah. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I just want to give you a heads up because tech startups from all industries listen to this. They might reach out to you for help. <laughs> That's to- <laughs> totally fine. Totally fine. Um, I've actually, so I have sold for freemium product companies. So where there's a free version to download and interact with to long sales cycle of like 90 to 90 days to six months. Um, so I do think that I have a really kind of well-rounded perspective of mm-hmm. SaaS sales as well as the psychology, right? Of right. Particularly a SaaS, of right. course. Like I know sales is sales, except I don't think it really is. No, I, I don't believe that way. either. Yeah. Like so, there's certain things that are, you know, uh, and it depends on what, what type. And I know you call yourself a consultative salesperson, which mm-hmm. I would as well, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's some basic to sales, but no, it's not all. Yeah. Listening. And that's, that's why I always say SaaS sales. Yeah. It's, I'm always making sure it's not just sales in general, but SaaS sales. And even within SaaS sales, you have different types of methodologies and, and things of that nature too. But so let's just talk about that though for a moment, because, sure. you know, most people that listen to this are familiar with technology and the acronym SaaS. You know, they know sure. software as a service. So when you say that, SaaS is different than other types of sales, right? As a salesperson, in what way? That's a great question that I might not fully know the answer to. No, just for you. Only because I've only sold SaaS. Yeah. But I think even like B2C products for Mm -hmm. sales, Mm -hmm. to be honest, Monique, I don't care about what car you want. I don't (laughs) care about what wine you want. Same thing here. Get what you need. And so the crux of SaaS being problem focused and problem solving focus. I think that's really the biggest differentiator. Like, I guess you could say, even if you're selling a car, like it could be a pain to not have a car or maybe you want a new car, but like, we're actually, there are real problems that real SaaS products solve for a business again, to just make it exponentially better. And for that business to even sell more of their product potentially too. Yeah. When you said when you left college and you were kind of like, oh, this is what I should be doing when you Mm -hmm. were introduced to sales. What was it about sales that like turned on that signal for you? (laughs) So initially, I will say a funny thing. Initially was when I got like our cold call script. And when you're on the phone, right, nobody knows that you're reading from a script unless they can tell. You're reading unless you're actually reading. (laughs) Yeah. Unless they can tell. So it was like the first or second time, like I got on the phone, I got the script and I just read it. And then people were telling me their problems. I was like this, I could do this for the rest of my life. So it was in that moment that I was like, this is amazing. If I could just do this and talk about solving people's problems all day, sign me up. So it was actually in that moment reading the script that I realized, man, I'm going to be really good at this. Potentially great. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Especially, would you consider yourself an extrovert or introvert? I would say for sure extrovert. When I was younger, uh, so I'm 37 now, when I was younger, I was far more extrovert than introvert. I think I was like 90-10 when I was younger when I took Mm -hmm. a test. But now I I feel like I'm about like 70-30 which doesn't seem like much, but like that 20% is a lot. It makes a big difference. Yeah, Yeah, it absolutely does. And I ask that because I think it's a fallacy for people to think that 
extroverted people make better sales people than mm-hmm. introverted people. I, I really don't believe that. I just, I know that that basis of introverted and extroverted is based upon like how you receive energy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Sure. And how the energy, you know, so I'm on the introverted side of things. Mm-hmm. And so, but I love the sales part of things and engaging with people. It's just exhausting. So I may take a nap. Yeah. And that's fine. <laughs> if you can take a nap, do you? I think the best way to really judge if someone is going to be good at sales or just is a couple things. Again, how they can build rapport. That's of course, number one. But number two, can they ask the right questions to the right person at the right time and earn business? It's really it. So I think if you have a will to succeed and you have the type of personality Sometimes we say more of like towards an athletic bend where like it's a team sport. I want to win, which I completely agree with as well. You don't have to be that, but I do find that mindset valuable, but really it's, it's being trained as well. Right. So it's not 100%. It's not 100%. Yes. Likeability is a really good thing, but that doesn't close your deals. Being personable and building rapport is a really good thing, but that also doesn't close deals. Right. And so solving a problem, understanding those issues, and then being able to ask the right question again at the right time to the right person. That's actually what's really going to close your doors. Absolutely. It's, it's funny you say that because I always, when I, when I work with clients and stuff, I always remind them to ask for the sale. Mm-hmm. That, that part is forgotten. We have a great conversation. I'm like, you're mm-hmm. having all these great conversations, but you're not closing anything. Are you asking for the sale? You got it. And currently, I would say, maybe not necessarily in the past, at least in my experience, but I've heard of a number of companies like really pushing pipeline. Pipeline's great. Are you closing? Right. Love pipeline. Are you closing? And so um, I don't say, are you closing that direct to be judgmental? But that's really the question. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're not, how do we get you there? That's right? right. Because sales is a stage process, particularly in SaaS, where we're saying, where are your gaps that you need to fill? Sometimes it's in the discovery process, because I I also believe we close deals in the discovery process, right? Yes. Uh, Maybe the signature is not done in the discovery process, but we're closing there as well. And so where in your process do you have some gaps to make sure you're actually closing the deal? So yeah. So for a lot of great things about pipeline, pipeline, pipeline. Yeah. Pipeline is great. If you have $4 million in pipeline, but you're closing 10% of that, is that what you need Right. to reach your goals? And is that what you need to be the best version of yourself? You got to really ask yourself that question. And that's another reason why I love sales too, is every single day I wake up and I get to find out who I am every day. Oh, I love the way you say that. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. But I think that does come with a level of confidence that's required. Sales, I think, requires confidence as well. If a salesperson really enjoys themselves and who they are, then they can wake up every day and continue to learn about who they are so that they can improve, get better, become great. Because again, task sales, you can do so much with your career and you can go so many places make X amount of money, if you will, and do a lot of things with your life. But starting with that confidence internally, man, it's a really big thing because performance is real. Detaching your identity from that performance. If you can't do that, you can make a lot of money. 
Sure. But how will you be living internally? It's an advertising career for some people who don't know how to deal with rejection. I mean, it's just, sure. it is what it is. That's the term. So you, you have a, a lot to say on the psychology um, of sales and it's really good stuff. So I really kind of want to go there, you know, mm-hmm. and talk about tying salespeople, tying their identity to their job and how much money they make and, mm-hmm. you know, how many deals they close being a representation of whether or not they're a winner or a loser. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what have you seen really be the driver for that? Is it past trauma? Is it that they don't know who they are before they get started? I would definitely start with the, they don't know who they are when they get started. Okay. Number one, because I started sales when I was 30. So I had a head start in knowing who I was, right? That doesn't mean I am a brick wall and like, you can't, like, I don't have emotions or Sometimes, you know, I don't get attached, but when young adults start in sales, they're really still figuring out who they are. And so I, I really am for our younger sales folks who are really wanting to have a career, be great. They found sales somehow, right? Cause you don't get a degree in it. And so they really want to latch on to this seems like I could do this for a really long time. I always just talk about identity. Who are you? What's your personality? How do you enjoy yourself? And where do you want to go? Like those things, separating that from, I kind of call it like separating your who from your do. Oh, I like that. Who are you separated from the what you do, even though who you are fuels what you do. Yeah. But just because you're not successful potentially in this space doesn't impact who you are. It may mean that there's a lack of training or it's just not a good fit or lots of other things outside of like your personhood, because even with me, so like, again, I'm seven years in. So at the beginning of 2021, I had this mantra. I still have it because it's still 2021, but it was show up, pay attention, tell the truth, don't get attached to the results and enjoy who you're becoming. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah. So I have been challenged with don't get attached to the results this year and that's fine. And I am really like, wow. Okay. I thought I was going to be really good at that because again, I know who I am. I'm really confident in who I am. But at the same time, just when you're put in positions with your career, Man, the only question that I have out of all five of those is don't get attached to the results and really looking at my mental status of what a result turns out to be. Like, how am I responding internally to that? Do I take that home? What do I do with that information? Right. But again, if you have self hatred, if you are only performance oriented, if you have negative self-talk, getting attached to the results is going to be your life. And so until you really understand who you are, what you love, what you don't love, how you operate, getting attached to the results will, will probably be something that's really difficult to break. We're going to take a quick time out and pick back up in just a moment. 
Robots can do a lot of things, but did you know that there's one that can do all of your writing for you? I call it the writing robot, but the official name is Jarvis AI, and it can literally write entire books, blog posts, emails, Facebook ads, Facebook posts, any kind of social media posts, actually. Video scripts, product descriptions, tweets, the list goes on. And all you have to do is tell Jarvis AI what you want to write and then click a button and it starts generating sentences immediately. You'll be able to write more in one day than you could in a month. But the best part about it is it creates 99% original content, meaning that you'll never have to worry about someone else having the exact same copywriting as you. So anytime I'm trying to figure out what to say and how to say it, I open up Jarvis AI and I just let it go to work. And you can too. You'll never be stuck staring at a blank page again. I promise you. Can a robot write better than you? Well, at this point, I'd have to say yes. To test it out yourself, just go to tpmfocus.com forward slash Jarvis. And that's spelled J-A-R-V-I-S. That's tpmfocus.com forward slash Jarvis. So getting to test your results with most of the sales folks I know is like, hey, I was counting on that check for this vacation or for this bill or for this. And so, you know, they look at, okay, and I actually tend to agree with this part where it's like, They don't get as overwhelmed with losing deals that they thought they were going to close when the pipeline is full because they feel like there's still a chance. There's still a chance, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So either way, I think you feel a sense of loss. It just depends on how long. (laughs) Sure, sure. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Oh, yeah. I'm not immune to that. In business overall, you know, even myself as an entrepreneur, you know, it's just like some things close or, you know, I I really think I can be helpful to someone. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't know everything, right? You can do a lot of discovery, but I know that not everyone is forthcoming with everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to ask you about basically what we see a lot of people tying their identity to literally how much money. Mm -hmm. Now I can't say that it's new, right? Um, I just feel like I'm seeing it be spoke about more because we have social media, right? So we're all seeing that. Yeah. Yeah. Social media is an exposer, not, it's not anything new, just exposing reality. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, is it possible to separate it? Let's say you're in sales and you're, you know, you're 40 years old or does it have anything to do with the age, right? Where you're like, hey, I've been, this is the way I've looked at it my whole life. So I can't change that. So great and interesting question from my just life. And this is how I'll, obviously I can only answer from my experience. So of course, and that's why I have you here. I I love to hear about your experience. So grew up, um, went to private school my whole life which was fantastic. I would not change that. I loved the schools that I went to. They were very formative, fantastic. Went to all girls high school as well. And then went to college at a private university. Also moved out to California after college to go to a leadership school with my car. During that time, I left when I was 24. During that time, between 24 and 30, I was making about $25,000 a year. And I say like I grew up knowing that I'm 
like being told I'm going to be successful, right? Having plans, like writing my career out and doing all of these things. Also, I have a hole in the side of my car. And so, which was fantastic for me. So I say that because I needed to be put in a scenario that completely broke apart my thoughts of success. And sometimes I am not saying something bad has to happen to you. Nothing bad happened to me. I was completely fine making $25,000 a year because I knew why I was doing what I was doing. Was it uncomfortable? 100%. When I was 28, I was like, okay, this has got to end. I'm done. This was good. I learned what I needed to learn, but it, it was definitely not a hardship by any means. But what it did was it absolutely broke so many things about my identity with money. And so building a wealth mindset without quote unquote riches. So I'm not saying go make $25,000 a year and have a hole in your car, Mm -hmm. but how can people challenge themselves enough to break off identifying their personhood, like with how much money they make? And it does have to be uncomfortable. I drove that car to Kansas City. Like I am from Johnson County, Kansas City. If you look it up, it's one of the top 10 wealthiest counties in the country. I drove that. And even even then in my mind, I was like, what are people going to think of me? It didn't matter. Mm. Didn't matter. And so really challenging yourself to be in scenarios that reveal what your identity is attached to. And again, if you can't be silent with yourself, you don't like yourself, you're less likely to challenge yourself in that way, right? But it's really all about your internal world and your mentality. You can absolutely make a million dollars a year and not care about any of this. You can do that and that's fine. But if you are in turmoil internally and you're frustrated by like, I have all this money and I'm still unhappy, man, it's time to challenge yourself for real. Wow. You know what? I totally agree with that. And I also think it's kind of a a generational thing too. Mm -hmm. You know, I I was, I call myself an old millennial (laughs) because I was doing millennial stuff before it was popular. Uh And um, that was my mindset. And people thought I was crazy. You know, I was like, yeah, no, after two years, I'm moving on to another job. Like, this is boring. I got this down. Like, you know, so changing jobs every two years to make more money to do, you know, or experience new things. They're like, what are you doing? You got benefits. You 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 stay still and, and, you, and you retire. Like, what are you doing? Right. It's a it's, it's a very logical thing, right? Yeah, but that's that's not the, the world is so much bigger than that. And you I think it. our generation got it. And I tell some of the older folks that I know that are trying to hire, you know, younger people, and I'm like, mm-hmm. listen. What I see and what I know for sure, because I'm in the communities with mm-hmm. the universities and all this other stuff, I'm like, this generation and, and the younger generation, they're willing to room with three other people. Oh, 100%. And make money to, oh, to, yeah. to love, to enjoy life. Like yeah. your, your, your views on what success is and what making money looks like, that's outdated right now. Perhaps it may change as they grow older, but I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's, I would say, is the freedom of the open market. Yes. Like it's the freedom of the market is I get to determine what I decide is success. 
And I have the power to make my own decisions and figure out how to get to success also by YouTube now, like books, right? Maybe you don't know where to start somewhere. Just somewhere is just where you need to start somewhere. And, you know, like the iPhone, any type of cellular device that you use or any device that you use connect to the internet, like it just changed everything as we know. And so it's like everything is at our fingertips in order to access what we determine as success and relationships and building our ourselves as people uh, will come along the way. But yeah, it's at 23. Yeah, I would have loved at 23 to have said, I mean, I did live with friends, but to just live with friends and figure out what I'm going to do, mm-hmm. right? I did a little bit of that, but not in the capacity that we're talking about. But even just, this is a whole different conversation, but even not going to college and really figuring yourself out, saving some money, understanding what you want to do in your early 20s, is a really big deal. It is. Knowing who you are, in my opinion, is far superior than what degree that you have when you leave college at 25. You're preaching right now, Katrina. (laughs) That's the number one rule in my household. And I have to say that at least once a week is like, you need to know who you are. Everything else is is really not important. Yep. Because if you don't know that, then what are you going to do? Right. 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 And I think big decisions uh, for young, early adults of that magnitude, I think in regards to like college debt, things of that nature, knowing who you are is a far greater ROI. Oh man, that is for sure. Yeah, that is for sure. This conversation has been inspiring. It, it, re, it reignited my faith in really the changes that I see occurring in the upcoming mm-hmm. generations and how things are being done um, so yeah. that people could be freer, you know, as you mentioned, the whole, the whole freedom thing. Yeah. So I just want to thank you for being on the unpolished MBA. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. And I just want to say that literally the, the way you speak, it's, it's no surprise to me that you're a great salesperson mm-hmm. because you have an energy that connects. And so I just really want to tell you that and let you know that I appreciate you sharing that energy virtually with me. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. And hopefully this is just part one. Hopefully more parts to come. Would love to have a good conversation with you again. Yeah, I look forward to it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Unpolished MBA podcast. To hear more episodes or to request to become a guest, please visit unpolishedmba.com.